Hi everyone, Diving Deeper is back. Thanks so much for tuning in again for more interviews with National Ocean Service experts on a variety of ocean topics that we have for you this year. I'm your host, Kate Nielsen. Today we will talk about the Physical Oceanographic Real-Time System. This is also known as PORTS. As maritime commerce has tripled in the last 50 years and continues to grow, there is great demand for real-time oceanographic data and products to promote safe and efficient navigation. NOAA's Physical Oceanographic Real-Time System helps to meet just this need. To help us explore this further, today we'll be joined by Darren Wright. Darren is the Program Manager for the NOAA Port System. Hi, Darren. Welcome to our show. Hi, Kate. Uh, thanks for having me on your show today. So, Darren, you were interviewed about three years ago for the Making Waves podcast, and you talked a little bit about NOAA's ports system. Just to get everybody on the same page, can you remind us what this program is all about? Sure. Ports is a network of physical oceanographic sensors and meteorological sensors that provide mariners with uh, up-to-date information about what's going on in the environment. The navigation community, you know, the folks who uh, bring those large vessels in and out of, of ports use it for safe and efficient navigation. But this system can also be used by anybody for recreational boating, parasailing, you know, whatever you want to use it for. It is available to everybody. And about, about how many sites or stations do you have around the country? Or, and actually, are they around the country? Maybe I'm jumping the gun. <laughs> yes, it is a nationwide program. We have currently 21 port systems around the country and, and harbors around the U.S. And we actually have two more that are in construction. That's quite impressive. How, how do you select new locations? That's a great question. You know, Ports is a, a partnership program where NOAA is funded for the, the program management, the data collection and dissemination uh, infrastructure. We have 24 by 7 quality control, and uh, we develop new products, and we're also responsible for the national standards. What we're not funded for is the local equipment and installation. So we look to a local partner to provide that. So to start a ports program, we need to identify a local partner who's willing to fund the equipment. And then we sit down with a group of mariners that have an interest in that area, and we get their requirements and where they need either oceanographic or meteorological information. Okay. So, Darren, you mentioned that you're, you meet with these partners in their local regions when you're getting ready to set up a new station and talk about the information that they need. What kind of information do they need, or what sort of equipment do you need to set up to get this for them? Well, the type of information that we provide in ports is water level, currents. We have meteorological information such as uh, air temperature, barometric pressure, wind speed and direction. We offer uh, water temperature. Another type of sensor that is somewhat new and is becoming more and more popular as vessels get larger is a air gap system where we install a sensor on the bottom of a bridge and it measures the distance between the bottom of the bridge and the surface of the water. That way, mariners who are bringing large vessels in will know if they have enough room to clear the bridge. Two of our newest sensors that we've included in ports is a visibility sensor, which measures fog and waves, because we have many folks, both recreational and in the navigation community, that are very interested in waves. 
These sound great, including the air gap. I imagine that's very helpful information for somebody to have when they're coming, coming into a new area. So you mentioned a lot of different kinds of sensors and a lot of different types of information that these sensors collect. Does each port's station have the same set of sensors? That's another great question. Now, as I mentioned before, this is a partnership program. So we look to our local partner and other maritime folks to help us determine where they need information. So we will sit down with them and determine uh, what areas they need information. And this is an a la carte system where we will install sensors only in uh, locations where they need information. So one of our ports is a single water level station up in, in New Haven, Connecticut. And the Chesapeake Bay has hundreds of sensors. So it really varies depending on the, the needs of the local community. That's great. So things are definitely tailored then to the needs of a particular group and to the needs of a certain community. Once a local partner has contacted you all to help them set up a port system and all these sensors have been selected, how do you build a station and ultimately make it operational out in the water? Well, first, uh, we set up an agreement with our local partner and they provide us the funding for the equipment. NOAA will go out and purchase the equipment. We will bring the equipment back and test it, assemble the stations, and then we typically contract out the installation work to pre-approved contractors who do this sort of work, and we kind of oversee that whole installation. When is a station considered to be fully functional? When can it be out there producing the data that, that communities need? Well, once the sensor is installed, then we start to collect the data and we'll process that data and review the data and make sure it's very good quality and, and, and very accurate. Then once it passes the quality control checks, then we start to develop the products that we provide to the general public and test those. And then finally, once all the data is considered good, it's been checked and rechecked, and we're assured that the data is good and the products are all developed, then we release the information to the public. And, and how do you do that? How is that information released? How does that get out to somebody? Is it through your website? Yes, we have a couple of different ways. Uh, our primary dissemination of the data is through our website, where, where anyone who's got Internet access can get access to the information. We have a uh, what we call a text screen, which gives you a snapshot of, of what's going on all the sensors at one time. And that information is also available via your cell phone. But we also have a voice system that you can use if you're within cell range. Uh, you can dial into a system, and it'll give you an audible readback of, of what's going on at each of the locations. Oh, wow, that's great. Really helpful. What is maintenance like for these stations? I imagine things will break over time, and especially after storms and different weather events. Are there scheduled maintenance updates, or how do you just make sure everything's working throughout time? There are. One of the primary functions of the port system is safe and efficient navigation, so it's very important that we keep the stations up as much of the time as we can. So we have scheduled maintenance where we visit the stations at various times, typically every couple of months, and make sure that all the sensors are, are cleaned off, the solar panels are cleaned off the power of the stations, that the sensors themselves are clean, and that there's no damage from either a vessel or weather events. Okay. So really, NOAA's involved throughout this whole process of setting up a port system. Everything from meeting with the partner, 
getting that equipment, setting up and building the station, and just sort of that routine maintenance and maybe even emergency maintenance that you need to undergo. Absolutely. And yes, in addition to doing our scheduled maintenance every couple of months, as I mentioned before, we monitor this data 24-7. So if we do see a problem with the data, we have crews that we go out, and and you mentioned it, uh, emergency maintenance, that we'll try to get out there the next day and make repairs on whatever's wrong. Okay. So we've talked about safe navigation, efficiency of ports and harbors, as some of the key benefits from this port system. But I'm wondering if there are other benefits you can speak to from the port system. Yes, the port system can be used for a number of other applications other than you know, navigation. It can be used during groundings. If there's an oil spill from a grounding, this inf- current meter information and wind information can, can be used to track oil spills. It can be used in uh, search and rescue efforts. If you know what direction the currents and the wind is blowing, it'll give you a much better idea uh, where a stranded vessel may be located. It can also be used for recreational uses such as fishing, you know, windsurfing, just recreational boating. And it can also be used for education. One of my favorite emails I've received in the past is from a secondary school teacher who said they used the port system to help teach their oceanography class. Oh, and wow. I just thought that was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so endless possibilities, endless benefits. Well, you just shared maybe one little success story there with us. That's kind of what I was hoping to touch on next. What's some of the success stories from the regions that currently have a port station, what you could share with us on just how valuable these are for those local communities? Well, there's a couple I'd like to share with you. One is down in Mobile Bay. It's a port we installed a couple of years ago. And within the first three weeks of having the system installed, I received a letter from a shipping company who said on two occasions they used the system, one, to avoid a grounding in a situation where they typically, just using tide predictions, Mm -hmm. would have brought a vessel in. But because of meteorological events, they actually had less water than they were expecting because of the tide predictions. And they held the, the vessel up and avoided a grounding. Oh, wow. And then in another situation, they had a, a situation where a vessel, they would have held it in dock for a while till they got enough water, but they had, in this case, a high water event, so they were able to take a vessel out of port quicker. And as you know, these vessels cost hundreds of thousands of dollars a day to operate. So if mm-hmm. you can save two or three hours in getting a vessel underway, you know, you can do the math and uh, it save, saves a lot of money. So that's, that's one letter that I thought was a real good highlight. Mm-hmm. And then a recent example was bringing large new cranes to the port of Baltimore. We assisted ship pilots by providing them air gap information and water level information to assure they would get under the bridge safely. We were able to, using a regional model, help them determine the exact time they needed to traverse under the bridge by providing them a forecast of what the water level was going to be. And we provided them the air gap information that gave them that gap between the bottom of the bridge and the surface of the water to assure they would be able to get the cranes under that bridge safely. Wow, that's great. So definitely helping to avoid groundings and helping to avoid collisions with bridges. Everybody needs one of these. (laughs) So, Darren, 
Would you say that these benefits then from ports, you've given us great examples so far, would you say that these benefits stretch beyond just the city that a port station might be located in or a region? Yes, because the majority of the goods that we get, that receive in, in stores are from ships. Mm -hmm. And if there's any kind of groundings or interruption in that chain, it's going to mean higher prices. One example, which I actually gave in the last podcast, was in Lake Charles. They had a grounding that shut down that waterway to the refineries in Lake Charles, and the price of gas went up 20 cents. Wow. And this was just in one port. Yeah. So you can see just any interruption in that chain can mean higher prices to the, to the consumer. Okay. So avoiding groundings is very important. Definitely, then. There's benefits from the port system for everybody, whether you live in a port city or region or anywhere along the coast or not. What are some of the challenges that you typically see associated with some of your stations and, and their physical location in the water? Well, the marine environment is a harsh environment. Our biggest challenge is to keep our stations operating. Yes, we have a rigorous maintenance schedule, but you know, as we saw with Hurricane Sandy most recently, we have big storms and weather that can come through and do damage to stations. Also, since we're in a marine environment, you know, boats, boats can hit our stations and often do, and we need to be able to get out there quickly and, and repair the stations from incidents like that. Also, biofouling, which just means marine growth on our instruments. We have to get out there and clean these things off on a regular basis just so that that growth does not affect the data. And Darren, what do you see for the future of the port system? Well, most recently we added visibility and wave sensors, and that kind of completed the suite of sensors that have been the major requirements from the majority of our users. So what I see for the future of ports is, is definitely advances in technologies, making stations more efficient so they require less maintenance. Yeah, another product I see us developing down the road is, is an underkill clearance product. And where that is useful is when these big container vessels that we bring into port a lot of times do not have a lot of clearance between the bottom of the, the ship and the, the sea bottom. So this product will help determine what that measurement is. So vessels, again, will have a good idea whether they're going to ground or not. And finally, I think what is, would be most useful to mariners is system integration. Like right now, you know, they have charting software and they have ports information and, and a lot of times they have to have two or three different things to look at to get the information they need. Well, down the road we would like to integrate that all into one system so they can look at one location and get all the information they need. Thanks, Darren. So my last question for you today is just if you had any parting thoughts to leave our listeners with. I think NOAA is here to provide information and services to inform the public to keep them safe. Now, Ports is a program that accomplishes this goal for the maritime community. So just stay safe out there. Okay. Thanks, Darren, for joining us on Diving Deeper and talking more about NOAA's Ports system. To learn more, please visit tidesandcurrents.noaa.gov ports. That's all for today's show. Remember, if you have questions on this episode, or the National Ocean Service in general, you can contact us at nos.info at noaa.gov. And if you're on social media, don't forget you can find us out there. It's USOceanGov on Facebook, Flickr, and YouTube, 
and Noah Ocean on Twitter. Please join us for our next episode in two weeks.